It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 133, The Folly of Jeroboam. Jeroboam walked onto an open field. The sky was open without a cloud in the sky. The sun was bright as he blinked to acclimate his attention as he walked away from his entourage. He took step upon step toward an open cliff and ravine, each of them over medium-high grass. Each step was heavy from the soggy ground until he reached his destination. His heart was beating fast from the hard slog across the soggy, grass-laden field. He smiled when he arrived at a ruin of a stone home whose bricked porch overlooked the Jordan Valley. He breathed deep, looked back at the hundreds who accompanied him to the field, and signaled for them to come over across the field as well. As they approached, he looked out over the valley, and in anger, his jaw froze. He looked aghast. He studied the situation closely and the terrain, and he turned and spoke to his advisors fast approaching him. What do you say? he shouted. My lord, was the response. What do you say? Are we not defenseless right here? Solomon's ancient military advisor spoke first. Jeroboam, I would agree. We are defenseless, and we should build fortifications right here. Other advisors agreed with him, and proceeded to give advice regarding the fortification. Rough plans were envisioned, and assignments were given to members of the advisement team who would oversee construction. And as they began to leave and finalize their decisions, Jeroboam turned to his advisors, and the wisest of them, and asked, What is this place? And what is it called? Penuel was the response. The place where Jacob wrestled with God. Hmm, Jeroboam murmured. Who would do such a thing? One of the elders answered Jeroboam. He was our father. And God renamed him Israel after wrestling with him. Jeroboam glared at the elder with disdain. We shall be called Israel, but I will not wrestle with God. Instead, this is where we will fortify and invite Rehoboam and his descendants to wrestle with us right here. Last we heard from Rehoboam in the south, he was ready to invade northern Israel with 180,000 men. But a word from a prophet caused him to not invade the north. I'm still amazed he didn't invade the north, especially with such a huge force, but he didn't. It's almost like the prophetic word was so powerful, he received it, and with it, a revelation of God's power. Because his next three years or so are quite good. First, he builds up his cities, 
While Solomon fortified Israel's surrounding border cities, the cities within the border of Israel lacked major fortifications, with the exception of Jerusalem. This left other cities in Judah open for attack when the northern tribes broke off. Rehoboam fortified most of the larger cities of Judah and Benjamin and put spears in each of the cities and placed in the cities ample quantities of goods to withstand sieges. Next, it gets interesting. 2 Chronicles 11, 13. The priests and Levites from all their districts throughout Israel sided with him. The Levites even abandoned their pasture lands and property and came to Judah and Jerusalem because Jeroboam and his sons had rejected them as the priest of the Lord. When he appointed his own priest for the high places and for the goat and calf idols he had made. Those from every tribe of Israel who set their hearts on seeking the Lord, the God of Israel, followed the Levites to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices to the Lord and the God of their ancestors. They strengthened the kingdom of Judah and supported Rehoboam, son of Solomon, three years, following the ways of David and Solomon during this time. It appears from this, Rehoboam fortified the cities and acknowledged the God of his fathers. The language is precise. Those who set their hearts to worship God followed the Levites. It appears the king may have been in step with them, though later he will bow a knee to just about any other god. Rehoboam clearly allowed the Levites to continue their priestly duties. The result creates a dilemma for Jeroboam in the north. What's going to happen is the merging of the religious and the political. See, those who worship God would make many pilgrimages to Jerusalem during a lifetime, many times multiple annual trips. You see this in the life of Jesus. He makes all of the necessary trips to Jerusalem. What's going on is that the people are traveling to Jerusalem as before. The Levites are coming south to Jerusalem as well as anyone faithful. Jeroboam in the north has people traveling south to Jerusalem, which threatens the security of his nation. All right, so let's talk about Rehoboam. He's the product of a marriage between Solomon and his Ammonite wife, Nama. This is important, so much so when Rehoboam dies, the sentence before reminds us of who his mother was. This will be a continual error of the kings of Judah. He is King David's grandson, but also the grandson of an idol worshiper half-hearted devotion, or maybe let's call it whole-hearted devotion in the moment. Sometimes faithful, sometimes unfaithful. Both bloodlines flow through his veins. He appears to be faithful to God, at least in this stage of his life, most likely because of his encounter with the prophet of God and the listening to his word. Droves of people are traveling from the north out of Jeroboam's lands, to Jerusalem to spend money and respects to Rehoboam and to worship God. Rehoboam welcomes the travelers from the north and appears to truly worship God and accept the Levites and pray and the true atonement of, for sins has its natural effect. More come to the faith and the demonic is held at bay in Judah. Meanwhile in the north, Jeroboam looks with alarm at the hemorrhaging of his people to the south He's watching his kingdom slip from his hands, and he knows the Feast of Tabernacles is coming, according to Josephus, and makes an, an expedient decision in order to save his kingdom in his own eyes. Before we get to his political decision, let's cover his military moves. 1 Kings 12, 25. Then Jeroboam 
fortified Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. From there he went and built up Penuel. No big deal, right? Jeroboam built up Shechem and Penuel. Wrong. Huge deal. These are sacred or highly important areas in the life of Jacob and Israel. Shechem was where he returned from Aram, and Penuel was where he wrestled with God and received his promise. Interesting how Jeroboam treaded on holy ground with such contempt. This was the purpose of the dramatic look at the beginning. Jeroboam didn't have a significant relationship with God over the years. He never needed to wrestle with God. He never had to work through his relationship with God for his blessing. Instead, it was all about him and the works of his flesh. He never wrestled them out with God. Instead, he mocked and treaded on holy ground that had no significance to him. Another thing to remember is that there's a significant Cold War going on. The North and the South are training for war and building up huge fortifications along their borders. The border between the countries will be contested for generations, and there will be many altercations. Interesting, Jeroboam's choice of locations and his first action. He chose to fortify his kingdom. There was tremendous fear in Jeroboam that his fledgling monarchy would collapse before him. Jeroboam treated his political problem with the pragmatic and dark, demonic-inspired medication. 1 Kings 12 26. Jeroboam thought to himself, the kingdom will now likely revert to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, they will again give their allegiance to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. They will kill me and return to King Rehoboam. All right, so we got to stop here. Isn't it fascinating? The Bible says Jeroboam thought to himself, this is a common phrase throughout the Bible, and it amazes me. How did the writer of 1 Kings know what he was thinking? Regardless, it occurs in other places and gives great insight into people and their thoughts. At this point, Jeroboam blows it. I mean, he just just makes the worst possible decision big time. 1 Kings 12.28 after seeking advice, the king made two golden calves. He said to the people, It is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. One he set up in Bethel and the other in Dan. And this thing became a sin. The people came to worship the one at Bethel and went as far as Dan to worship the other. Jeroboam built shrines on high places and appointed priests from all sorts of people, even though they were not Levites. He instituted a festival on the 15th day of the 8th month, like the festival held in Judah, and offered sacrifices on the altar. This he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves he had made. And at Bethel he also installed priests at the high places he had made. On the 15th day of the 8th month, a month of his own choosing, he offered sacrifices on the altar he had built at Bethel. So he instituted the festival for the Israelites and went up to the altar to make offerings. Isn't it terrible? He tramples on the holy ground of Bethel as well. In Jeroboam, like the Israelites in the wilderness, he creates an Egyptian idol, a golden calf, one in the north at Dan, remember Dan from the ten shekels in a shirt episode, and Bethel, the house of God. Jeroboam, who was infected with the idol worship of Egypt, 
mixed it with his culture and came out with the golden calf. Placing one in the north and one in the south, he stopped the flow of treasures, people, and migration out of his country and solidified his rule with a dark demonic strategy. Unfortunately, the idol worship set up by Jeroboam is going to last for centuries. All right, so we'll leave it here for now. At this point, fortifications are popping up between the north and the south, and state-sponsored idol worship is going on in the north. Next week, we'll cover what happens when Jeroboam has his grand opening for his new idol worship center in Bethel. It's one of the craziest stories in the Bible. Feel free to read ahead, because it's really really crazy. 1 Kings 13. To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, let's discuss the folly of Jeroboam. First, let's let's note he had a grand opportunity for him. He had the ability to start a legacy in the kingdom, but instead he created a personal legacy of failure and shame. Jeroboam was privileged to receive the northern part of the kingdom, His error was his lack of relationship with God. His idol worship and his decisions based upon fear, and his hope and his military might over God. When he entered the places of Israel's great history and worship of God, he chose to convert them to idol worship sinners. And when he walked into Penuel, the place of wrestling with God for the blessings of heaven, he chose to erect an edifice to himself and his military strength. He chose the path of war and man's strength through arms instead of faith in God. In turn, he will get what he asked for. In 2 Chronicles 13, Jeroboam will invade the kingdom of Judah, and I won't ruin it for you, except for the fact that it will questionably lead to one of the highest body counts of all time in a single day of warfare. See, it was the political spirit in the form of Pontius Pilate combined with the religious spirit in the form of the Pharisees that killed Jesus. The political spirit manipulates events and people to gain physical power. Jeroboam solidified his power by making strategic moves away from God. These strategic, political, and military moves will result in deadly conflict, while his spiritual moves of calf worship will result in confrontation by prophets and further judgment by God. And again, like the last episode, there was another way. Jeroboam could have run to God and found him and his wisdom for life in the kingdom. Instead, he relied on his own skill and abilities and demonic plans for him. And we will see very easily in the life of legacy of Jeroboam, cause and effect. And if you've made decisions in your life like Jeroboam, relying on your own strength, there is a way out, and it is by the blood of Jesus. All sins have been washed clean for those who are willing to repent on relying on their own strength and abilities over God. Surrender is what God is looking for. He's looking for us to surrender our ideas, our plans, our plans in our own strength to his wisdom and his path. It is this surrender that puts things back into alignment. If you've made decisions like Jeroboam, just get on your knees and repent for ruling without God and ask him to set things back in motion. God's way, not yours. And never forget he is faithful to do what he promised.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com. Share the Facebook page, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.